0: When you're starting a, a, a subscription box, you ideally should have prior brand relationships and no prior, um, have prior experience in the industry.
1: Hey, my name is Felix T. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn what it means to use your disadvantages as your advantages, how do you know when to move from research and planning into execution phase, and how they tripled their Facebook group members with a giveaway. Today I'm joined by Billy Balogan from Tribe Beauty Box. Tribe Beauty Box helps women discover beauty by sending women five new full-size beauty products every two months and was started in 2017 based out of Toronto. And she bootstrapped her business to over $360,000 in sales in over just 16 months. Welcome, Billy.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, good. So you told us that, uh, your focus has, from the beginning has always been on building a business of accessibility and empowerment. How did you know that those would be your, your kind of guiding values?
0: Definitely. I, I mean, it's it's pretty apparent to know um, what is missing in the industry, and just by you know looking at competitors and seeing what they're um, what they're all about, what they focus on. I, I decided to go a different route and focus on something that not only the customers needed, but something that was really important to me as a woman of color, which is why I built my business on those on those values.
1: God. How did you know that, that there were customers out there that also gravitated towards the these values that you were essentially building your whole business around?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I'm in uh, numerous forums, beauty forums, not only just on Facebook through Facebook groups, but also Reddit. Um, and I follow a lot of um, viral t- Twitter accounts. And just to be able to see what people are putting out there, I was able to know that customers really needed more, not only just transparency in the beauty space and in the products that they're using, but also just needed a community where they felt empowered in their own beauty.
1: And is this kind of kind of I guess evidence very uh, um, clear for you to see where you can actually see that the community is talking about things that are missing or I guess the existing market rather?
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you look at brands like Fenty Beauty that were able to basically turn the industry around by offering 40 shades of foundation, it was such a loud, um, a loud response to the lack of inclusivity, not only, um, with women of color, but with race. You know, there are so many male makeup artists that don't get the platform that they should. It's not just only about race, but it's also about gender. And, and and equality is so important in the beauty space because everybody has the right to feel beautiful in their own skin and in their own individual terms.
1: Got it. So you were basically noticing and looking at brands that were essentially kind of like popping off and and be able you are able to see why they were getting all this uh this attention and you recognize that oh they are filling a a void in the in the marketplace did you see the opposite where people were like maybe commenting on more established brands and saying why don't you do why don't you offer this or why don't you offer that like were you able to see things from the that that side of, were you seeing things on that side as well
0: of course of course you know just just being a woman of color even amongst my friends you know my friends are also women and people of color it's difficult for us to find it well it it was let me correct myself it was difficult for us to find shades as dark as possible that are like on the end of the spectrum and that should not be an issue if there's a shade on one end of the spectrum this should be right so that's mainly the, the issue that we were up prior to i would say last year and, um, you know, people became more people were looking at brands under the microscope. People were asking them why they only had 12 shades of foundation. Why do they only have, you know, 15 shades of concealer? They're not only 15 shades of people. So it, it was just we really needed to open the space more and open the floor to conversation. And I'm glad that that happened because brands now it's become a standard to be able to cater to every single person. I don't know any brand who is who can s- remain successful and who can be sustainable if they're not catering to everyone because it will cause uproar. Like that's for sure.
1: Got okay, so you recognize that uh, you mentioned like people of color didn't have the products that, or I guess the the brands that didn't put out the products that that they required. What did you do after recognizing this? And once you saw that there was this this gap, you saw certain brands coming into the space, some new brands coming into the space, and that there was a lot of uh, you know uh, they quickly built up a customer base because there's again there's such a, a deep need for, for for their products and for their particular solutions. What did you do after recognizing that there was all of a sudden kind of kind of groundswell of new companies and new products that are catering towards, again, an area that had uh, a lack of kind of supply to meet the demand?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was definitely adopting, you know, those customers, opening a space for them, putting my face out there. There are many, you know, faceless brands and being able to put my face out there as a young woman of color, who's also an immigrant in a first world country, really helped me um relate to my customers even better I get so many messages from customers who are like I'm so happy to see you in a position that you are in in the beauty industry the beauty industry surprisingly is run by men you know a lot of the CEOs of the big name brands that you and I know are male and it's just it's just it's just very uncomfortable for me to be told and to be given rules and products for what my beauty should look like from someone who doesn't even look like me right so that's the biggest issue that we had in the community and creating tribe beauty box i really opened the space for everybody not only just women of color but everybody can use the products in my box the shades that we send out the products that we send out can work with everyone, you know, and that's, that's so important for me. In every box, every time that I have to curate the box, and not, not only the box, but the, our content and our brand messaging and all of that, I make sure that we're catering to everybody because everyone has, has the right to feel beautiful.
1: Mm. Now, were you afraid of being, kind of the, putting your face out there, like you said, to being, being vulnerable?
0: Absolutely. You know, absolutely. my I would say my age alone is one of my biggest um, insecurities. Most of the brands that I work with um, and the brands that I, I know personally, their CEOs are way older. Their marketing managers are way older than me. So coming into the space with no prior um, knowledge or experience in the beauty industry was pretty scary, but that's where I was able to do my research and really use, I would say, my. Dis- disadvantages as advantages, I was able to open the floor, create a community where I educated my customers, but they educated me too. So it was really a dialogue and that's how we've been growing so far.
1: Can you say more about that, about using your disadvantages as advantages? I think that is a really important one that I feel a lot of entrepreneurs kind of try to sweep their disadvantages under the rug, but you are bringing it to the forefront, actually using that to help you especially market yourself. So tell us more about how you use your disadvantages.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you're when you're starting a, a, a subscription box, you ideally should have prior brand relationships and no prior, um, have prior experience in the industry. And honestly, I had absolutely none. I probably knew two, three brands, but these were like small brands, you know, friends and family. So I was able to really do a lot of research. The fact that I didn't know enough gave me that boost to probably do so much research that I might know, excuse me, that I might know even more than the ones who are, who have been in the industry for a little longer than I am, because I was, not only was I, you know, learning the foundations of the industry, I was also learning the trends and the forecasts. I'm always up to date with those things, so that's the first thing. And then, secondly, I was just able to come out and be very honest with my subscribers, with my subscribers, and be like, "Hey, guys, this is who I am. This is what I've done prior to owning Tribe Beauty Box, and this is my vision for the box." Any questions that I have, I ask my subscribers. I just recently, I asked my subscribers if they would rather be billed on the 1st than on the 15th. You know, rather than consulting with an agency or... A firm or a consultant. I took the questions straight to my customers and asked them what they prefer. And everything, and every main major decision that I need to make, I make sure that I put my customer at the forefront of it. And I think that's really been the major reason why we've been successful and we've been able to touch so many lives, and you know, and things like that.
1: I got you. So basically, your big disadvantage was that you you came with with very little experience, very little knowledge, which made you make which made you not be burdened with the with assumptions right you were you're or more you kind of had to ask questions you kind of had to do the research
0: exactly i had to be transparent and i had to be authentic with my subscriber base
1: right so i think i think when you start a business that's the one path you took i think is one way i think a lot of path that that some other people take is kind of try to be bigger than who they are and try to not ask these questions, kind of assume they know the answers and go that way. But obviously the way that you've taken helps you be really closely in touch and in tune with what your customers want. And of course that, that pays off in, in, in the, the business that you built. So you mentioned that the, you, you did research, you mentioned that, you know, the trends on the forecast, how did you know you were ready to kind of move on from this research only phase into kind of taking action on the research that you've done?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's a really good question because I feel like a lot of um, it's it's almost self-sabotage that, that cripples us as entrepreneurs is this feeling of not being ready or not being enough. And, and I'm the kind of person who I like to cover my ground. You know, I like to do my research, but at some point you just have to hit go. And even if you aren't ready, you just have to be flexible, open enough to be able to fix things on the way. Nothing will ever be perfect. No, no research will ever cover 100% or forecast 100% of the issues and bumps that you will face along the way. But it's really just having an open mind and having resilience in, in this industry and in, in entrepreneurship in general. You have to be extremely resilient, which means that even if you research something and you research predicted 100% Success success rate the market or the customer may not be ready for what you're for what you're offering and you just have to learn to be resilient, you know, study the data that you have and move forward with it and, you know, just convert, you know, be flexible and, and it should work out in the end.
1: Got it. So I think, I think as a, as a business, when it first starts out, like a startup that first starts out, you are, you have the the kind of bandwidth to be super in tune with your customers, spend a lot of time with them. I think as you grow, unless you are, you're active and you are, you make it a priority, you will just become more distant from your customers. What do you do every day to kind of fight this gravitation, I guess, that pulls, that pulls you away from your customers as you grow and as your, your time and tension is, is demanded elsewhere?
0: definitely i mean you know as as an entrepreneur as especially as um i would say as a one man show in terms of operations i do most of the operations in the business it's really easy to um to forget to be in touch because i get so drowned in my work but i think um just building a community is so important and when you have dialogue with your customers, you don't have to be the one who always initiates the conversation, right? So for example, we have a Facebook group called Tribe Beauty Box Lovers and customers and subscribers, everyone in there is, isn't actually a subscriber. Just anybody who's interested in the product is able to post a product that they find interesting or a trend or a funny video that they found on social media. So even if I'm not always initiating those conversations, my subscribers have found a niche place and a niche community where they can post things that they relate to and that we all relate to. So when you're able to build that, obviously when you start, you have to build a foundation for it. But as you grow, you'll find that the dialogue doesn't always come from you. And it's actually even better when you're not the one always initiating the dialogue because it just shows how engaged your community is.
1: Got yeah. I want to touch on this this uh, aspect of community. So you you have this Facebook group, and is this your favorite place or favorite way to stay in touch with your your customers and prospective customers?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, when I'm planning boxes, for example, and I'm I'm given a couple options by brands um, from brands, I'm actually able to just post both options in the group and ask people to vote. You know, I really like having my customers as the decision makers in in the in the brand and the in the, com- in the com- company because at the end of the day they're the ones who are getting the product right it's not uh, me making all the decision ends up being slightly biased because i don't like what all of my consumers like i don't i i may like something that none of them even like right so that's why being able to have such an open and transparent space where i can be honest and post things or post you know problems that we're facing and like i think two weeks ago i posted about how i wanted the box to be more eco-friendly and 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 all of that and customers were like oh why how about you take out the uh styrofoam peanuts that you put in the box and replace it with you know um with biodegradable biodegradable ones and they sent me links you know and so many people gave up a, a um, options for how we can make the box more recyclable and ideas for how they can use the box as storage. It's just such an amazing community where customers can be decision makers
1: mm. How large is the group today?
0: I believe we're close to five thousand
1: members Wow, at what point did you feel like it took a life uh, took on a life of its own?
0: Um, I would definitely say when we hit around five, 600 members, because the first five, 600 members were, were like our first subscribers and they were really, really engaged. I would say it's been a bit more diluted now as we have people who are not subscribed to the box, but the first five, 600, it was a very, very engaged group and customers are posting their boxes did post pictures with their pets at, like open, when the box gets delivered and just really fun things like that
1: and you mentioned that you have to kind of build the foundation at first because like let's say that you're as you and like 10 people at first how what do you do to to kind of start building the foundation of a of a facebook group
0: well the first thing is to just um, as the admin, um, to just position yourself as the expert of the, of the industry, right? So when, when people have questions, I'm able to give them expert advice and expert and, and my expertise. Um, when they have doubts or when even I have doubts, I'm able to bring that up as transparently as possible to them. So those are the first things customers and just group members need to know that. The group that they're in is of value to them. So a value means that I'm sharing content that they can use in their everyday lives. I'm, I'm sharing tips and tricks that they can use when they're on the run, when they're doing their makeup or when they're, or, or when they need to revamp their skincare routine. It's really all about, um, the, great content right so when when you have such great content people can actually even share that outside the group and it attracts even more quality customers and more quality subscribers into the group that we can convert into paying subscribers so when that foundation's done I then was able to um, pick out the most engaged and the most knowledgeable group members and I then turned them into Facebook, the group admins and group moderators. So now it's not just me moderating and administering the group, but there's there's five other women who are helping me with content and contests and giveaways and things like that to keep the group engaged to keep the group alive.
1: Got it. So when you are building the foundation, you are like posting like daily or how often? How much how much content are you producing?
0: Yes, I'm. I, I was definitely posting daily. I believe I was going on Facebook Live almost weekly. Um, that Facebook Lives are so great for groups. Customers are really able to know who you are. So I'd be doing my makeup or I'd be at the office taking a break or I'd be in between calls and I'll just go on Facebook Live. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. Sometimes it was just 10 minutes, just asking them questions, asking them about their day, asking them where they're from. You know, just being their friend is the first thing. You have to be their friend first.
1: Makes sense. So when you were building this group up early on, what were you doing to to promote it?
0: Well, promoting it, I was already in other groups. Um, and I had, I, I, I didn't promote my group through Facebook at first, I already had an email list through my website. So I invited people um, to the Group by sending in sending an email to my email list like hey we have this amazing group please join for behind the scene and exclusive content that I believe we had maybe the first. That gave us probably the first 150, 200 uh, members. And then I ran a giveaway and the giveaway really um, blew the group up. I believe it was like a hundred or $200 gift card. And all you really had to do was say why you love Tribe Beauty Box and add three friends who could love Tribe Beauty Box to the to the group. So that probably tripled the group numbers in a day and then we kept going we kept going and i believe that first giveaway um hit helped us hit the 1000 member mark
1: got it and what about today are you still running these giveaways or are there other ways for you to um drive new signups
0: so we um well um, members right not signups we um we actually run Giveaways every box that goes out, so every two months. And what we do is that we ask people to create looks with the products that they got in that month. So not only does it, um, you know, keep the group engaged, but it actually encourages people to use the product that they received and find cool and quirky ways to use the items that we sent that month like this month one of our admins did a zodiac challenge and it didn't have to be exclusively try beauty box products but just makeup products that you have in general create a look that was your zodiac sign so just cool things like that we do to keep the group engaged and we often do but often we just find people adding their friends into the group because they get such great content and information through the
1: group. And do you find that this is like the most like profitable channel for you? Like having this group and them discovering the products through the group?
0: I would say um what, what helps us drive sales and new, uh, and awareness is one YouTube and then our email marketing. We have um, an email size of 22,000 people on our email list. But for the group is really just helps us keep the community and probably help us reduce churn because people get closer to the founder, they get closer to other members of the team and they learn to love the product so even if somebody doesn't like a product or is not happy with the box this month they'll post about it transparently and we allow that but other members would either be like oh yeah i didn't love this p- product so much and i myself or my admin team can give them tips and ways to use a product or other members of the, t- of the group would be like hey like how about you try this i paired this with this try that and you'll probably like it
1: I got it. So the Facebook group is useful for, again, reducing churn because people feel like they're part of the community. What, what do you do to get them to, like a, a new customer signs up uh, on the website? When when, and where do you invite them into the group?
0: So we have an email series. Um, we use a really great email um, software called Cleavie.com. <laughs> And um, part of our welcome series is a video. The first video, the first uh, email is a, has a video of myself introducing them to the brand. And being like, hey, welcome to Tribe Beauty Box. This is what we're all about. And this is why I started the company. The second video is all about um, the benefits of being part of the tribe and the community. And that's where the Facebook group comes in. And then afterwards, we have other um, emails. I send them promotions and discount codes and gift items and things like that.
1: Do you know what what percentage of your your customer base uh, ends up making into the group?
0: Um, No, I I don't know the exact percentage.
1: Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about the um, when you first launched the business. Actually, let's let's say that you so you, you understood that this was a of these two values that we talked early on was something that you wanted to pursue, and you saw other companies popping up that were doing it already. You could have gone down a route of just kind of inventing your own product, inventing your own brand around that, but you decided to build this kind of platform for existing brands. Did you have this kind of uh, dilemma in your head on which path you wanted to pursue?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know. I could be putting this much effort into my own brand and promoting my own product, but that will come along the way. You know, we have many ideas for expansion, but I believe that, um, what what we're doing with tribe box, we're not only a box, but we're really a marketing channel. We're like a marketing agency. And, and it's, and it's a really interesting type of marketing because it's direct to consumer, you know, brands get firsthand have feedback and reviews of the product that they put in our box and they get to get to collect that data and and really help themselves grow as a brand so that's how we're starting at first and with that we're able to to um to grow a loyal base and from there we'll be able to release our own products and we can already tell that it's becoming more and more successful because we do a lot of limited edition boxes like in um in april we launched a limited edition cbd box it was the first cbd beauty box and we practically sold out within the first two days we had some logistical issues with payment processors but apart from that we sold quite a number of boxes and we would have sold out if we didn't have any of the payment processing issues but it just comes to show you that customers who are already engaged with you via a different platform or via a different product offering doesn't mean that they're not they won't be ready to you know move into a new product offering when you yourself as a brand is ready. It's all about that brand loyalty first.
1: I like this approach of being being a platform first and then building a brand around that platform and then. Learning a lot along the way to then apply to the product, products that you might release. What when, when do you know? When do you feel like you'll know when you're ready to to release or focus really your attention on uh, on your own products?
0: Yeah, we've already started working on that. I actually just got back from Cosmo Proof in Vegas um, yesterday, and um, we've already started working on our own products. But it doesn't mean that we'll stop doing the subscription box. It just means that. We'll have add-ons, and customers can have try beauty branded products. Um, we 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 already private label a few products, and we'll continue doing that. And as soon as it's ready, I, I I believe that by early next year, I just like to get everything, you know, as perfect as possible before the launch. Especially that we're expanding to the UK in, in Q four of this year. So we have quite a few things to do, but I believe that. Q1 of 2020, we should start having our own product.
1: Was was this always, I guess, a goal from early on or did you start recognizing things inside the business or with the customers that made you you realize that we should release our own products?
0: Yeah, it, it was it was always an idea for me, but it wasn't something that I was actively looking to do just because, you know, having your own brand is not that it's more work, but it's a whole different ballgame than putting other people's products in your box, right? But, you know, with customers asking for try beauty box branded products, we have pop sockets on the website and we sell those literally every day. Um, we'll start with tools like, but with like makeup bags and accessories, um, to start off to test the market and test the brand. Um, and then we'll start working on products but we know we we never want to be a competitor to the brands in our boxes so we have to make a firm decision of fully transitioning into a brand with similar product products as the brands that we featured in the past or just having complementary products like tools and accessories
1: Mm. what do you think the pros and cons are of those those two approaches
0: i mean I, i would say for um for the tools and accessories were obviously very limited but the pro is that it's it's an easy add-on. You know, if you're having a box, if you're having a box that has a lipstick, um, a, a palette and things like that, why not add on a makeup bag and have something to store um to sew your products? Um but having our own brand is also great because we really get to Say, we've had all this experience working with different brands, and here we are now with our own product as experts and as you know, top of the in industry because we've so many brands and we know what we want.
1: What, what are some things that you've learned from having your own platform that you will want to apply to releasing your own product, like knowledge that you didn't have if you were to just start off with your own brand from the beginning?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would say one thing that we, we would really want to work on is customization. You know, it's, it's a thing where customers, a lot of people, you'd be surprised when a new, let's say eyeshadow palette comes out. Some people only buy it because they like maybe three, four, five shades in the eyeshadow palette. And that's the only shades that they use for their makeup. So let's say it's a 12 pan palette. They like only a a fraction of those shades and that's the reason why they would still buy it at full price one thing that we really want to work on on our brand is customization and really allowing customers to pick their own colors pick their own shades and make things their own that way they're having full use of it that's one big thing that i've learned that some brands are missing out on that we would absolutely try to put in our brand
1: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So I want to talk about the very early, early days. So you mentioned to, to us that you had an initial investment of only $200. And again, we mentioned that you bootstrapped the business to over $360,000 in sales in less than a year and a half. So let's talk about that. So 200 bucks, I think is certainly uh, not a lot of money at all. And I think is feasible for a lot of people that want to start off. What did you, find, what did you do with those, the first $200?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's actually, it's actually pretty feasible when you break it down. So, um, I was, I went on fiverr.com. I'm sure you know what it is, but for the audience, it's basically, um, a web, a platform where you can, you can work with, um, outsourced developers and designers and and artists and things like that. So it's Fiverr.com and I was able to buy a logo from probably someone in India or something. They made my logo for $5. And then the box design that I still use now um, cost me $35. So that's 40 bucks right there. And then I needed to create awareness for the brand and, you know, collect emails. That way when I launch, I'm sort of guaranteed sales. So I use Kickoff Labs, which is a um, one of these viral um, lead, lead generation platforms. So I created a mock-up of my website. It cost me $79 for the month at the time. So I made sure that I set a goal for the the month because I couldn't afford a second month. Uh, My goal was 2,000 emails. And in three weeks, I was able to raise 2,300 emails. Um, I was close to a couple Facebook group admins, big groups that had like 150,000 members. And I would post my landing page in there and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you're interested in getting more information about the launch, and if you're looking for a subscription box, that is offering all these things, please sign up and give us your email. So I did that and I added a $50 um, giveaway, a $50 gift for a gift card giveaway that I use across the groups. I got permission, of course, Uh, one person won the $50 gift card um, and I did that. That was basically all I did. Um, And by then I had obviously found like wholesalers and things like that you know, working with wholesalers at first, you're not making any profit because they're giving you very, very low discounts opposed to working with brands directly. So around $200 in total. And, um, I did that and I was able to raise 2,300 emails. I believe, um, I was still on my seven day Shopify trial when I opened sales, Um, And I was able to sell about 143 boxes in my first week. Um, And I launched, I actually launched on Black Friday, which was really smart because it's, you know, the biggest sales day of the year. People were ready, had, you know, had money saved up to buy things. And, you know, some, I, I still remember the name of her first subscriber. I waited on my computer and, Got that first sale was one of the most amazing feelings ever. And yeah, so I got the money. I told people that we would ship um, in three, four weeks because it was the first box. They were okay with that as long as I was transparent. Um, I got the money, paid my suppliers and shipped the box. And that's how I did it for the first, I would say three boxes until I made enough profit to um, to start paying up front. But now that I work with brands directly, some brands give me like a net thirty or net sixty terms. Right now, we're cash flow we're, for cash flow, we're still great, g- great because um, we charge on the fifteenth and ship on the first, right? So we usually pay our brands before anything, and yeah, that's that's how it worked out.
1: That's awesome. So to kind of break this down, or to recap, so you use Kickoff Labs, which is kind of like a viral contest platform. And you spent seventy nine bucks on that account, got twenty three hundred emails. So it sounds like the crux of what kicked things off for you was the the postings inside these huge Facebook groups. So you mentioned that you were close to the admins. Like, was there a reason why you had a relationship with them already? Like, how do you? If someone out there is like, wow, I want to take this kind of super step by step methodical approach that that Billy took, and to start establishing relationships with. In communities that they want to be a part of like how do you begin like where wh- how were you able to get access to like, an admin of like you know 150,000 member groups
0: yeah so I, I mean I, I would say for sure that um when when I I had the thought and I knew within me that I needed to start something like a community how those groups have you know so many groups are just there and I would say monetize the community, but you're putting in a lot of effort. When you have a, 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 a member base of 150,000, you're seeing hundreds if not thousands of posts a day that you probably have to approve and you have to screen and make sure that they uh, they follow your community guides, right? So I started talking to admins and just finding out their tactics on how they're managing the groups. And just, you know, when they're posting, I comment, I, I always know who the admin and I'll comment and. I commented enough that they recognized my name and it was all it was honestly all strategic because I had an idea of what I wanted to do and what my vision was and who I needed to be on my side in order for this vision to come to life. Right. So um, with that, I was able to get close to them. We became friends, were able to talk almost every day. And that was that. But there was also some some customers, some uh, admins who I wasn't friends with. I just sent them a proposition like, "Hey, um, this is what this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Um, we're happy to give you like ten percent of each sale that you generate from your group for us. We'll send you a box. We'd love for you to do a Facebook live. We'd love for you to post this landing page on your group. It's really all about collaboration, right? And you know, if they believe in what you do." it was honestly fairly easy for me. I would say I probably did a master list of maybe like 200 groups and maybe it only worked out with like 15 of them, but that was enough to get me 2,300 emails and 140 sales when I opened, right? Which was more than enough for me.
1: Yeah, that's definitely... Not a bad conversion rate at all. I think I think in any industry you could probably find two hundred groups that you can try to message and see if anyone will want to work with you. So that that makes sense. So I want to talk about these um, these uh, specialty boxes that you end up creating, which I believe is uh, is it the limited edition boxes that you have on your site?
0: Um, right now, we have. I mean, we have a tab for the limited edition box on my site, but the regular box is what's advertised on the homepage.
1: I got it. Okay, so the uh, limited edition boxes that you create, these kind of specialty boxes that you came up with, how did you know what kind of themes to to go with?
0: Um, that's also just being able to um, stay on trend. So I, I I subscribe to quite a few professional industry um, news, not just what you see, you know, on on social media, but actual research and i get trends and forecasts of what's to come in 5 years i put my ear you know ear down i talk to people i ask them what they're doing what they're what they think will happen in a couple in a couple years in the industry we we have my my myself and a couple other indie brand owners have a group where we share articles and interesting things that we see on Social media, but then what we also what we also do is that we follow other brands and see what they're you know they're venturing in. So there's a really awesome brand called Milk Makeup, and they basically revamped their brand entirely into a hemp based um, brand where they have like a Kush mascara and you know like CBD based products primers mascaras and things like that so um you know we we studied them very closely and saw how much more of response they got from consumers with that move versus when they were just offering regular makeup like everybody else right and with the laws and regulations of different countries changing we will get to a point where cbd based hemp based makeup products will be a norm so we decided to do that limited edition box with cbd a hand based cbd products and it was extremely popular
1: Got okay. That makes sense. So let's talk about the, the curate, curation process for your kind of ongoing boxes, your monthly boxes. So tell us about that. Like I'm, I'd imagine that there is a lot of work that goes on in coordinating all of the brands and products that you want to put in each box. So let's say that you are planning the next box that you're putting together. Walk us through the steps that you need to take to make sure everything is kind of ready to go uh, once it launches.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, well, what we do is, themes right i sort of look at themes for i have general themes for the year in terms of you know like valentine's day summer fall christmas and then we niche down those themes to products that are trending or products that are popular so for example um There's a product called beauty blender and you're supposed to change your beauty blender every three months. And although we don't send a beauty blender every three months, we'll maybe send it twice a year and we'll sort of curate the box around that. So most of the products in the box, the four products in the box are sort of complementary to the one hero product that represents the trend for that season. That's how I curate my boxes.
1: Got it. So when you, when you figure out what you want to, I guess, at the theme, do you, what's your research process to find out that the kind of vendors that makes sense to put into the box?
0: So, I mean, we, we pre, you know, we have pre-relationships with brands where they know that we could potentially ask them for X amount of products for, um, you know, in two months or in three months or in four months. And they're usually, they usually tell us that, hey, we have inventory for this and this. We have certain brands that update us with their inventory levels almost every month, or we have brands that come up to us and like, hey, we have this new product launching. Will we be able to launch it with your box and put it in your box? So we have people test it. We'll get feedback from it, and we'll and if we ever we do a restock, we'll be able to use that feedback to, to you know, revamp and make the product um, better. To improve the product, basically. Um, so it's all, it's really all a process. It's definitely a lot of work because you're working with different brands, different timelines, different brand marketing goals, different brand awareness goals. And you sort of have one product, which is the box, and you try to help everyone fulfill their goals all with one product. Um, so it's, it's definitely a lot of work. And the way we, you know, the, the way we, put different brands on social media is very respective to what their advertising goals are certain certain brands don't want us to focus on the price point Uh, certain of them want us to focus on the ingredients certain of them want us to focus on the fact that they're cruelty free so we have a lot of communication between us and the brand and we really ask them hey we're basically a marketing agency what is it that you want us to market for you and that's how we work
1: Mm-hmm. Is, it a, is it a pretty simple proposal to them or do you have to do some convincing uh, to, to get them on board?
0: Yeah, definitely. A lot of convincing because you know we're not asking for thousands of units or even millions like some of the big boxes. So we really have to show them results. We have to show them conversions. We have to show them how and what has worked for past, box, past brands that have been in the box. Um, or we just have some brands I just really like. Us as a company and are happy to just sell us their products. So I would say it's about it's about a 60-40 balance. Um, it takes some convincing in the beginning because they really could be selling these products at a price and making you know much more profit. But thankfully the fact we buy products from brands um, so they're not losing out on any money, and they're having their brands and their product directly in the hand of X amount of subscribers every two months.
1: And, and usually, these um, these brands that you work with, like their the value prop that they're attracted to, is it is it just new customers that that try their products, or are basically new customers? They're not looking to you know uh, make a, a profit necessarily on on this transaction. They're looking to get their product in the hands of new customers.
0: Yes, exactly. So, you know, I mean, a lot of brands, their marketing strategies are all different. Um, Everybody has a different way of marketing their product. But really, a subscription box is one of the easiest to get your products in the hands of real people. They could, you know, put $10,000 in ads and then try to convert sales. But if a customer hasn't had a a first, you know, touch with your brand facilitated, it's difficult for them to make that purchase, especially if it's a big ticket item. You know, if I'm being advertised a $40 cream or a $50 cream, I want to make sure that it works first. And that's why people read reviews or people go to retailers and get samples and try the product out first before buying the actual product. But if I've received a product from the brand or right it through a subscription box and I like the brand, if the subscription box gives me a discount code, and even if they don't, I will most likely be more willing to try more from the brand because my first impression has been good. And, you know, it could, it could go two ways. It could either be a great impression or you may just not like the product. And that's why brands give us multiple products in a year to feature in a box. So it's not just a one time experience. You get maybe two products in a year to track in the brand before you decide, okay, I like this brand or I don't, and I'll purchase from them or I won't.
1: Got it. So when you do have a product that is like a huge hit, everyone loves it and everyone wants more of it, what can you do from there? Because I, I do see that you have your subscriber favorites section. Are those uh, like a, a certain kind of relationship that you had you established with the brands that you have noticed that they have a product of, a product that really resonates with your customers?
0: Yes, exactly. So when there's a product that our customers really, really love, what we usually do is that we put it up on the website um, or we give customers a code um, to allow them to replenish the product and get other items too. Um, there are certain skincare products in, in, in our subscriber faves uh, tab that we created bundles of because customers love it so much and they want to have it for a certain amount of time um, so if the, if if the brand is okay with that you know we're paying them regardless so they don't mind us buying the product and putting it in the block in on the website for for retail price but some brands obviously want the direct sale so they'll give us a code and we're actually able to track you know how many people use that code and um, what they were able to purchase with that code for our own stats and metrics.
1: Mm -hmm. So earlier you mentioned that one of the most profitable or successful marketing channels for you is with YouTube. So what do you do on YouTube?
0: Well, why YouTube is so profitable and um, popular for us is because before we read reviews, I feel like we're such a visual generation, especially my generation. We are so visual. We need to see someone on open product and their reaction and the packaging and the little detail and the little ribbon people are so obsessed with the details right so youtube is a great way for us because you know our either influencer or just other subscribers who got gotten the box are able to share their experience with the world and um tell them hey i really like this product i don't like this product it was a good box overall and another thing that looks really well for us is that people compare the present box to the past box and you know future subscribers are able to know that we've been increasing in quality month to month
1: got it. so do you how do you um find youtubers to work with
0: um we get we get quite a few requests i would say we probably get between five and 10 PR requests every day. So it, it is quite, um, but um, twice, twice or three times a year, we do something called a PR search where we basically post on Instagram or on the platform that we're looking to um, advertise. Um, we'll be like, hey, if you have a Facebook group, please comment below, you know, link the group and we'll check it out. That way we have the power to really filter who and what works for us. We did that recently and that was pretty successful. The first one we did was, was, was with um, Instagram pages, but we're not focusing on Instagram influencers anymore because we find that we convert into sales through Facebook groups um, and YouTube.
1: Got it. Okay, and you also mentioned the other channel is with email marketing with your twenty two thousand member email list. You don't actually have twenty two thousand customers, mm-hmm. right? These are these are uh, just prospects as email well. Email subscribers. Uh-huh. How did you uh, build that list up?
0: So um we have a very easy um way of building the list and it's a it's a Shopify app called Previe. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's actually really great because they have this amazing feature called spin the wheel. So what you do is plug in different gifts and codes and coupons into the wheel and when people log into your website for the first time they can spin the wheel and get a chance to win you know for us it's either like a free eyelash or free mascara or 10% off or if you're really really lucky you get like free shipping you know so you have to put in your email first before you spin. So there is a chance that you don't want anything. But most of the time, you win at least a free gift or a 10% coupon, which you can actually use when you purchase the box for the first time. So it's a win-win for everyone.
1: Awesome. Any other apps or tools that you use to, to run the business?
0: Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's really important for um Brands to be transparent, so we have this great free app on the website called um, Customer Review. It's, I, let me just open it. It's called yeah, it's called Product Reviews. Um, loyalty is really important, so we use Smile Rewards and Loyalty for our loyalty program. So every time a customer reviews buys a new box, they get points, and then they can redeem their discounts towards the next box. We use um referral candy for customers, uh, for our influencers. Um, so we give our influencers a code and they have their own dashboard where they can actually see the leads that they're generating to the website and who's converted, and we pay them out automatically through PayPal. Uh, we use Pirate Ship to purchase our labels. There's so many great brand, uh, great um, apps on Shopify, and that's why it's honestly one of the, uh, my favorite platforms because it's so easy to build a platform with all these plugins and all these apps and have an amazing an amazing store running smooth smoothly
1: awesome so trybeautybox.com is a website and last question i ask you is what needs to happen for you this year and for trybeautybox for you to consider this year a success
0: um i, I think that um for this year to be a success for us we we obviously have certain metrics that we need to hit that i'm not I won't be sharing on here, but the biggest thing is having um, a very smooth UK expansion in terms of logistics. So we're just about to start selling in the UK. So we'll have a UK website that charges customers in pounds and we've we've secured a fulfillment center in the UK as well so that's honestly one of our biggest hoaxes for this year and we really do hope that you know we hit it off the park with that as we did in the US and it'll be a really great year for us.
1: Awesome thank you so much for your time Billy. No problem thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.